the Youth Workshop Podcast, episode 52. You bring the passion. We bring the knowledge. Learn from the most creative, innovative and experienced youth experts across the globe. Are you ready to take your youth ministry to the next level? If the answer is yes, you are in the right place. The Youth Workshop, the podcast. Here's your host, Luke White. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to a brand new episode of the Youth Workshop Podcast and ladies and gentlemen, as usual, I'm so excited to bring you a fantastic guest, a friend and someone who I've been looking forward to having on the show. It is Curtis Hall. He is a ministry leader, trainer, and I know he's going to have a lot in store for us. Curtis, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Luca. I appreciate the invitation. No problem at all. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do? Well, primarily what I do is uh, I visit different churches and I help train ministry leaders on how to, you know, how to be effective in leading their teams, mm-hmm. how to make sure that what they're doing is effective and that it's uh, actually reaching the goal that they have in mind. And another thing that I do, I, I train teachers on how to facilitate uh, Bible-based discussions. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, this is a, a lot of our listeners I know already are thinking, fantastic. You know, we're a lot of us are youth leaders, um, youth workers in our church settings. And, you know, we need help <laughs> to do what we do better, especially with engaging our young people with those Bible discussions. Um, actually, before we get into the, the technical nitty gritties, um, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Like what made you even be interested in in doing this type of thing? Well, I, um, at my local church, which is a rather large church in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, I was a, a Bible class teacher and I was promoted to be the, um, the ministry leader. It's a very large department in our church right now. We probably have around 85 people, volunteers that are part of that team. And uh, uh, as when I took over the position, I was new to it, so I didn't know um, how it always had been done. You know, I, I didn't have that baggage of, well, let's maintain the tradition <laughs> of what we've always done. To me, it was I was just looking at it with fresh eyes. Let's decide what we're trying to accomplish, and let's do that. And so as I did that, I started to uh, make, you know, make some headway, and other churches heard about the success we were having at our church, and one invitation led to another invitation, and soon it developed into a full-time ministry for me. And this has been from since 2010. Wow, wow. So, whew, friends that are listening, um, it's interesting that Brother Curtis Hall was actually inspirational in the book that I wrote for youth leaders, On Your Marks, A Beginner's Guide to Youth Ministry, because my mother actually went to one of your training when you came over to the UK, as you know, yeah, yeah. and um, she knew what I was trying to do. And she was like, have a look at this, have a look at this. And she told me more and more about what um, 
you do and it was really inspirational because it's it's so interesting that you took the approach of of saying you know I've got a clean slate there's I'm not no one has given me you know something to to continue to maintain and it was that that was the same thing that position I found myself in which led to a book and that's kind of the first point I want to talk about because I I think many of us in our youth ministry settings or or our church settings in general might get caught up in that initial point that oh I have nothing what am I going to do oh no woe is me but actually it can be an opportunity to really do something um, new fresh and innovative really that's true so tell us how how do you go about ensuring that there are some clear objectives for for your for our ministries? Well, you know, I, I always start my sessions with um, with a few basic questions, and and these questions, you know, if they if, if they're answered honestly, um, it really kind of helps drive the conversation. Like the first question I always ask is when I get together with the ministry team what exactly is it that we're trying to accomplish? <laughs> I want everyone, you know, I give everyone a chance to write their own answer. And then we unpack those answers uh, uh, afterwards. That's just one of the questions, but that's usually where we we start at. What are we trying to accomplish? And then we follow that with who exactly are we trying to attract? Because I find that many times our ministries are just, they just take like a shotgun approach where, there's nothing really defined. We're just, you know, throw something against the wall and hope it sticks. But I think we have to be more intentional about who we're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. What's our plan to attract them mm-hmm. and build? From- Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, so um, tell us a little bit more about the actual skills we can implement in trying to have those Bible discussions with our young people. Okay. Uh, you know, young, it's a challenge, you know, because <laughs> we've all been young. Some of us consider ourselves still young, but it's a, it's a challenge to, um, on one hand, we, we, we feel like if I can just relate to the young people, they'll accept what I'm trying to sell them. And, mm. and sometimes that seems to be an imbalance in how we approach, um, you know, Bible study with young people and group facilitation. But one of the things that I know that regardless of what level you're at, you're going to have to, a segment of your approach must be the types of questions that you are asking. Mm. Um, Because uh, not only, that's just one component, the types of questions we're asking, um, because the worst thing for a facilitator is to hear the sound of crickets. <laughs> that just drives us crazy. You know, we ask a question, everybody's just looking at you, you know. <laughs> so you have to find a way to ask the right questions so that, you know, people will want to participate. And over the course of years, I've learned some some secrets that I'm sure you'll ask me about to help mm-hmm. get that done. Mm-hmm. That's one one side of the equation. The other side that I try to encourage youth leaders on the ministry teams that I talk to is that is that our young people are smart enough, competent enough to be the ones out front with our assistance. Mm. And in many places I go, we just line our children up in chairs from the time they're children, you know, infants, and we talk at them, we talk at them, we talk at them until they get up to teenagers. 
and they stop listening. Well, I think they should be the ones running those classes, whatever you want to call them, mm. with our assistants. Mm-hmm. Rather than us talking at them, have give them some ownership in the process. What do you think the fear is of why we um, delay in, in giving our young people opportunity? Because I've seen this as an issue kind of through, right through throughout the the whole kind of church structure it's um there are certain positions which we're happy to give our young people maybe youth leader might be one maybe worship leader will be the other or or worship assistant but um that's that's really the the, <laughs> the two top ones for the for the young people why why are we struggling to transition them more into the the everyday of, of church well that's a that's a tough question, mm. and I, there's a few things that come to mind. Mm-hmm. One is that many times some of us older people aren't really thinking long term. Right. Uh, we're not really, we're not really intentionally thinking. I need to mentor the next generation. Mm. We're just thinking I need to give them something to do so they'll stay in the church. Uh, yes. And that that approach really doesn't seem to work because we find many of our young people when they get of age they're they're out of church so that might be one reason and uh, another reason is uh, you know fear of our sales being displaced and, mm. and because many of us the church is our identity on our jobs we may not have authority or you know just playing menial roles or whatever but in church we're this is my territory. <laughs> yes. And I hold on to that, even if it's at the detriment of the entire body. So mm. that's why I believe all leaders, ministry leaders, there should be accountability. There should be some mm. expectations. Mm-hmm. And uh, and not just leave it up to, well, let's hope this guy does it right. Let's have some expectations. Fantastic. All right, going on from that then, what um, if you were a a senior pastor let's say in a church and you um were facilitating that conversation you know that that dreaded board um nominating committee meeting once a year or once every two years depending what are some of the expectations that you would be um encouraging that group to think about when they are not making their choices their nominations well you're you're asking some really i know i know (laughs) i but you know i love it I have to get in there with you because I know that, you know, your experience and your expertise are really going to help us. Okay. Well, the first thing that the young people that let's say we're, we're having a conversation about should be seated at that table. Right. And many times, and I've been on nominating committees over the years <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just like a cycle because I know certain people I always recommend these people to do this job the young people should be at that table. Sometimes it may have to mean we break protocol. Mm-hmm. They're not really a board member, so they can't be in this room where we're <laughs> talking about church business. Uh, I, you know, we come up with the, all these rules to, yes. to make it, you know, secretive and mysterious. But if we, like like our particular church, the founders of our church were young people. Mm. They, they weren't 70 and 80 years old. Yeah. Even, you know, we look back on these old pictures and because they have a beard like like you do now, we say, <laughs> oh, they must have been, you know, old people. They were young people like Luke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we need to give them a seat at the table. And that mm. would be the first place if I was a senior pastor, I would start at. 
how are we going to transition our young people into uh, positions of responsibility? Mm-hmm. Let's not just say we're going to do it. Let's write it down. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do. Wow. When are we going to do it? Who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. Who's assigned to do it? Mm-hmm. Be, uh, specific about these things. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, all right, we're cooking with gas. All right then, so how do we, what are the, the the leadership qualities that we are looking for, especially considering that young people have, um, some of them would not have been leaders before, so we can't look at their track record right. um, or their experience. What are the seedlings that we should be looking for? Well, when I am recruiting team members, Mm. for uh, for the teams that I lead and what I encourage people, it comes, the first element I want mm-hmm. is that I want someone who is nice. Mm. I, I, really, I really don't. Mm. <laughs> I'm really not looking for, well, do they have this skill set? Are they a good speaker? Wow. Good time manager? I just want, I want some character traits because we can teach people how to do jobs. Wow. But my, my hope is that their mother and father and, and, and church teacher and, and, and school teacher, that their characters, that they're nice people. Wow. Decent, respectable people. And then mm. let's, let's not worry so much about, well, they don't have experience in this. Wow. That, that's my, my approach to not only just young people, but... Uh, when I'm recruiting teachers to teach adult classes, mm-hmm. my first question, I don't, I don't want to hear, well, oh, he was a teacher. Oh, he's an elder in the church. Or, <laughs> oh, man, he's, in a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a former pastor. That's not at the top of my list. The top of my yeah. list is, is it a nice person? Wow. I don't need drama on my team. Yes. Wow. I love that. I think we've just found the title of this episode because I love that. It makes such a big difference when you're dealing with night. It's, it's, it's so true. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. All right. Let's, let's keep going. Um, let's get now into what you've experienced from actually being in the trenches, training um, youth leaders. And and all ministry leaders, in fact, um, mm-hmm. give us some of the some of the wisdom that you've picked up um, from from actually doing the training. Well, um, that's that's another great question. What I have learned, which should comes comes as no surprise to anyone, is that we are resistant to change. Mm. Um, and, and, and unless it's the one for someone else, we, we love to talk about change for other people. Oh, you should change. But I can't stop eating what I know I shouldn't eat, but I'm wow. so e- easily tell you how easy it is for you to stop smoking or whatever it is. Wow. So I find that change is the biggest challenge. So I try to, to, to start there with my teams. Mm-hmm. After we decide what it is we're trying to accomplish, what our biggest challenges are. Let's talk about this whole thing about change. Mm. What I have learned, experience has taught me that as a leader, that even though I am excited about, let's say, some epiphany I've received, and I'm excited, I have some fresh ideas and concepts, Mm. I can only go so fast. Mm. 
I might know what the what the down the road looks like, but my team may not uh, have all that buy-in. So I have learned as a ministry leader, don't go faster than your team is able to digest what you're doing. Right. Uh, there's sometimes when when I'm suggesting radical change, I'll say, listen, have just tell your team you want to try this for three months. Mm-hmm. Don't say, hey, this is the change we're doing. We're no longer going to do that. Let's just say, let's try this for three months. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, we can go back. So I kind of use some of those strategies to help work through. Because really, tradition uh, in the body of Christ plays too much of a role in how we do life. Mm. We're so protective <laughs> of traditions, whether they're good or bad, mm-hmm. but especially when they're really not beneficial. We w- Here's the two questions I always ask leaders. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what we're doing, I, these are two questions. I ask them, why are we doing whatever it is, and who does it benefit? Mm-hmm. Those are the two questions we have to answer. Let's look at everything we're doing in this ministry, ask ourselves, is it, are we doing it just because it's always been done? Mm. Is there any really rationale? Is it outdated? Is it effective? And tell me who does it benefit? Is it benefiting who we claim we are targeting? Wow. And so that's where I started. Wow. Wow. And how how far should we actually go with the dissection in terms of, let's say we take a, you know, we come to, a, we're in a new year um, and you know, you're a ministry leader or you're even a pastor, senior pastor of a church. How far do we go with, with that dissection? Do we go right down to the bones, like, you know, uh, not just maybe the content of our services, like the times of our services? Like, how far do we cut with that real analysis? Well, I think it would be healthy for to get into the weeds at least once in a church life cycle (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm not saying every year yeah yeah start all over but i mean after 40 years shouldn't we be at the place where we could have a honest conversation Mm. and put everything on the table Mm. and 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 honestly ask ourselves why are we doing this part and who does it benefit and Mm. have that discussion um but like I said, change is difficult. Uh, one of the things that I find in dealing with ministry, and especially the, the, the conflicts that you have with older people, mm-hmm. is that they are very afraid that the young people are going to make the church too worldly. Mm. That the sacredness of religion will be diluted if we allow the young people to do whatever it is that they want to do. Yeah. So those are the conversations that we don't have, but you know that's what everyone's really thinking. Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Okay. Now you mentioned earlier you're going to give us some of the secrets um, of of your coaching. So um, yeah, let us into that. Yes. Uh, well, you know, asking questions. Um, I found in my study of the Bible that. Jesus always taught, uh, he, he taught using questions and parables. 
Those are two big components of what he did. He told great stories mm-hmm. and he asked great questions. And if, and if you look at his earliest record of his interaction with people is when he was 12 years old and they, his mother found him, you know, in the temple. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that he was both asking and answering questions. So that's my model. Wow. That, that I don't believe Jesus was asking questions because he didn't know the answer. He was asking questions to to open up to their minds areas that they may not have allowed if he had just said something mm. because he asked it in a certain way. So, so I find that, let's say that I, um, uh, uh, this week we're talking about, uh, as a matter of fact, a, a young person, uh, a person just asked me for some advice on how to have a, a, they were going to have a Friday night discussion with their young people mm-hmm. on, a, on a topic of the working of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. My suggestion was to, because you want to get people to not be on a defensive. Mm-hmm. Right? So you don't want to do anything to put people on the notice or cause them embarrassment. So I said, listen, why don't you just pass out an index card to everyone that comes in for the meeting? Mm-hmm. Have them write two things. One is what their job is now and what their dream job would be. Mm-hmm. So that's that's disarming. So then I would go around the room and say, hey, somebody tell me what you wrote down. And they're telling me about, <coughs> excuse me, their dream job and what it would be. And we dissect that. And, mm-hmm. and then I would say, listen, let's read something from a particular verse. And because this uh, topic was about the work of the Holy Spirit. And then my next question is, what does this text, I don't just read a verse and then start talking about it. I mm-hmm. allow us all to, to dissect it. What does this text tell us about the work of the Holy Spirit? Mm. I don't say this text tells us that the Holy Spirit was a convictor <laughs> of sin and he's yes. going to. No, no, no. I'm asking you what you think. There's no, just what do you think it means? And that gets people to be disarmed. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I do. Um, and one of, the, one of my primary secrets uh, when I facilitate a group, uh, after I do my initial you know, greeting and all, mm-hmm. um, I'm giving you a secret now, Luke. This is, yes, this is, this just is between me and you. <laughs> but you're going to see it if you ever see my videos where I'm leading out. I'll always say something like, listen, hey, to make sure we're all on the same page, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be talking about uh, compassion today. So to make sure we're all on the same page, I would just simply like to know, what does the word compassion mean to you? Mm. I, don't, I don't ask them, what does the Bible say about compassion? Or, mm-hmm. or I just ask them, what does it mean to you? Mm. So I ask it in a way that anyone, I ask a, what it is, I'm simply asking a definition question. Yes. But I'm asking it in a way that anyone can answer, not just a person who's spiritual or religious. <laughs> I just want to know what the word means to you. And then I use that first question and those responses to next build on where I'm trying to take them in the class environment. Wow, 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 wow. So what you're saying is, I believe, is so helpful. And and the thing is, how skilled 
do we have to be? Because I think part of the fear, let me start that question again. Part of the fear, I reckon, for some people who are listening to this, who would like to go down that path, is what if I cannot control this conversation anymore? What mm-hmm. if, um, because some people, when they facilitate, they are if they ask a question, it's because they're, look, they're waiting for the person to say the right answer, right. Mm-hmm. the answer that I have written down on the piece of paper. Yeah. So how, so, to open it up is to also open yourself up to... Um, I call it hijacking. Hijacking. There you go. <laughs> there you go then. There yeah. you go. So how, how do we guard against that while still creating that space for 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 opinions? Well, I, I think we have to, first of all, not be so tied to our outline <laughs> that that, you know bells go off if it deviates a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll allow a conversation to deviate a little bit if I feel I can get it back on track. And mm-hmm. there's some things that are just outlandish that, <laughs> that play no part in whatever we're talking about. And, and, I, and I say I call those hijackers. They may not mean any harm mm-hmm. they, or they may be disgruntled. I don't know. I really don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. But I'll just simply say something like, hey, that's, a, that's very interesting, but let's just hold that thought for now. Oh, and I okay. just move them back to where that I'm trying to take them. Mm-hmm. And most people will respect that. But I don't, I don't feel like, I, I don't want any facilitator to feel like that there's no room to, here, let, me, let me paint it this way. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm writing another book. Uh, oh, wow. It's called Flight Time, The Journey. And it's, and it's strictly for facilitation. That's, Great. that's all it is. Okay, but I, I just want you to envision that your job is as a as a pilot of a plane. Mm-hmm. Your job is to get the plane off the ground, mm-hmm. keep it free from hijackers, <laughs> keep it on course, and yeah. land it safely. And oh, that's I love the kind it. Of things I try to walk you through. You want to get the the conversation going. That's the plane up in the air. Mm. But you want to have it. You want to have it going in a certain direction. The fuel is the questions that you're going to ask. That's the fuel to get the wow. plane on his journey. You got to watch yep. out for hijackers. Yeah. But you also have to know where you're landing. You just can't start talking and not have an aim in mind. Where are you <laughs> yes. trying to take the people? Wow. <laughs> This so, is so good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so much so, for that. Oh wow! So so well, you've you've opened that can of worms. Now, when is that book going to be available for us? I'm I'm doing the the rewrite because every time you know you write something like, oh, I want to add this part. Yes, yes. And yes. Uh, so I, I I hope to have it out by the end of this quarter. Nice. Because uh, I had written it once and I had some inspiration and I said, oh no, I want to. I rewrote the entire thing, yeah. But it's going to be a good one. It's, it's it sounds. I'm going to get you a copy. Oh please, I'm I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> okay, so if you could only give us like we're kind of coming to an end, but we'll see how it goes. Um, if you could give us just one, just the greatest piece of advice that you have ever been given yourself. You know, if everyone had missed every other part of this conversation and only heard this part, what would you want them to hear? Hmm. Uh, you know, when you said that, I thought about a line that I say in uh, my workshops. I actually kind of use something like that. I, I, I actually say, if you forget everything else, this is, oh, wow. point, 
this is that point I tell them. This is the point where everyone says, if you forget everything else, remember this. Mm-hmm. And I, I found it to be true, especially in, in as facilitators and ministry leaders. Mm-hmm. But at the conclusion of what I do, I want two things to have occurred. I want people to leave inspired and encouraged. Mm-hmm. I don't want people just to leave informed mm-hmm. or entertained. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by inspired. I want to inspire them to reach higher in their Christian experience. Yes. I want I want I want I want to tell the right stories and ask the right question and give the right energy so mm-hmm. that I inspire a higher caliber of Christian living. That's wow. one thing. The second thing is I want them to be encouraged. I want the time that we spent together to help them deal with the real issues of life. So on Monday morning, mm. when they're on their job <laughs> mm-hmm. or when they're in their class, that they will remember something that was discussed or they saw or experienced that gives them a, a, a heightened sense of encouragement that they didn't have before we all got together. So those are my two things. Whatever mm-hmm. you do as a ministry leader, make sure that at the end, your conclusion is that people are being inspired mm. and encouraged. That The church has a reputation of beating up people and, mm. and um, being harsh and unforgiving and unloving. Mm. And But Jesus left an example of inspiration yes. and encouragement. When the people heard him, the Bible says that common people heard him gladly. They, they were so mesmerized by what he was saying that they would stand all day and forget to even eat <laughs> because of the way he was speaking to them. They had never heard anyone speak to them that way, the encouragement mm. that he gave out. And if we would just model that, we'd have more success regardless of what ministry role we play in the church. Oh, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. And yeah, I did say we were coming to an end, but you've inspired something else. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it. One thing that's come across from this conversation is the amount of energy and enthusiasm that you have brought to it, which we love here on the Youth Workshop. Do you have any tips or advice that kind of what, what helps you to stay fueled up and full so that you are able to keep bringing this level of of um, passion to what it is that you do? Uh, That's another great question. Um, You know, I believe that uh, when we're corset in in our public roles that we have to do what I call showtime and, you know, bring energy and passion. Mm -hmm. But how do we Mm -hmm. keep that kindled? We have to actually spend more time in the Word of God in Mm -hmm. preparation. Mm-hmm. Because life comes at you fast, mm. it can overwhelm you, mm-hmm. you can be easy to become discouraged. So mm-hmm. we ourselves as ministry leaders, we're just not all naturally charismatic as you are. So I'm like I'm a very shy person. I'm a very reserved. Really? Person. Yes, I am. I, I could wow. just I could just take my camera in the woods, just be there all day by myself. Wow. I'd be happy. Wow. But I know that when I'm standing in front of people, that number one, they're feeding off of my energy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to, I have to give it. If I'm not excited about it, well, how can I expect someone else to be excited? <laughs> yes. 
And the way that I get excited is that I discover what I like to say, and I have an aha moment. I don't mm. believe any facilitator, regardless of how well they know the course, in their preparation, there should be an aha moment. There should be something to say, boy, I never saw that before. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. Because then I could transfer that same sense of enlightenment to other people. So yeah. be prepared. All of us are challenged. We all need to spend more time on our knees. Mm -hmm. I just have to say it, Lord, I know I need to. And I need to spend more time in his word. Uh, mm. If I do that, he has promised to give me the wisdom. According to the book of James, I will give you the wisdom. Just ask me. Mm. So, hey, if I'm doing ministry, I don't know what to do. The first place to start, God, you promised you would give me wisdom. Tell me what to do, how to do it, or point me in the direction of someone who can help me. And he'll, he always will. Fantastic. Before we go, um, maybe just let our listeners know. We, we have listeners from all around the world, so I'm sure you never know. There could be someone listening right on your doorstep. Um, how do we... Get, maybe get a copy of your book um, or even contact you to deliver some ministry leadership training to us? Well, uh, you can go to my website and, uh, you know, download an e-copy. You could um, order a hard copy. You could contact me for training services. And uh, my website address is hitthemarkworkshops.com. Hit the mark because that's the name of my book, Hit the Mark. Hitthemarkworkshops.com. My name is Curtis Hall. You can always hit me on my email. There's email links all over the website. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if people um, just need advice or something, I, I get contacted from all over the world where people just say, hey, I'm new in this role. Can you mm. give me some advice? I'm more mm -hmm. than happy to. And it won't cost you a dime. Just if I can help you, just let me know how I can. Thank you so much. All right, man. And until next time, my friends, create an impact with your influence.